You're listening to Enhancing the Human Experience, the podcast designed to help you consciously create and live your best life. I'm really excited about today's episode because I was fortunate to have my niece, Carmen Phillips, join me on the show to talk about her recent experience in Cambodia. She went over there on a humanitarian mission with a company, a group called YouthLink and her university, and she shares her experience with us. Now, one of the things that I want to preface before we get into the actual podcast, a couple things actually, we talked about how to focus, where to focus the show, what we would talk about. And Carmen mentioned to me, she said, hey, you know, if we talk about the atrocities that have happened and the undesirable history of Cambodia, specifically talking about the reign of the Khmer Rouge and her visit to the Killing Fields Museum, then it would be a very emotional podcast. And um, that was something that we chose not to focus on. Instead, we both chose to focus on the positive aspects of what groups like YouthLink and other humanitarian groups are doing in Cambodia to make life better. And the happy, joyous nature of the Cambodians, the children, the the people that are living over there. So we chose to focus on that aspect of Cambodian life instead of the negative aspects of what has happened in the history there. And we felt that uh, that that was a better way to go for the podcast. But I will say this, offline after the interview, Carmen was sharing with me some of her experiences visiting the Killing Field Museum and the you know impact that that had on her. And she wanted me to share with you, and she shared this with me after the interview, that while they were at the museum, the people who are running the museum and doing that work in Cambodia really want to spread the message of sharing what happened there, you know, sharing with the rest of the world what happened there. And they feel that it's a responsibility that we all have to tell the story of what happened there so that it doesn't ever happen again. And that was one of the things Carmen and I talked about. So I wanted to share that with you on the podcast. And I also have two other resources that Carmen shared with me that I'd like to share with you. These are now Uh, One of them is a movie. It's in my Netflix queue. And the other is a book that I'm going to put into my Amazon wish list down the road or into my Audible. And the book is called The Road of Lost Innocence, The Story of a Cambodian Heroine by Somali Mam. And that is S-O-M-A-L-Y-M-A-M. Now, this is a book that Carmen and her group read before they went to Cambodia. And it talks about this woman, Somali Mom's escape from a life as a um, being human trafficked, right? Being a sex slave in that area, in the Asian area there, and her escape and now her work getting other girls out of that trafficking and her humanitarian work in that um, in that arena. So that was one of the books that Carmen recommended we read to give us a glimpse into what's happening over there. Again, the negative side, the dark side, but also the positive side that people like Somali Mom and others are doing in that field. The other resource she wanted us to know about is a movie called First They Killed My Father. And I discovered after researching this, after we talked, was this is the movie that was directed by Angelina Jolie. It came out in 2017, and she watched this when she actually went over there to Cambodia. And again, it talks about the reign of the Khmer Rouge and is centered around that topic. Now, I went on Netflix, and for some reason, it 
only allowed me to put it into my saved movies. It didn't allow me to put it into the queue. And so I'm not sure if it's just really popular and in demand and they just are out of them at the moment. But again, it is available on Netflix or should be available on Netflix or wherever you watch movies. But it's called First They Killed My Father. And that was another resource she recommended we check out. The other thing I want to say before we get into the interview is during the interview, as Carmen was talking to me about her experience there, I often thought of Tracy Larison's interview where she shared her experience with us about traveling to Cambodia during the reign of the Khmer Rouge and during what was happening there and working to affect the field of consciousness, affect the field of coherence in that region to do what they could to alleviate the suffering and uh, obviously the atrocities that were going on at that time. But if you recall, that was episode 37 of Enhancing the Human Experience. You can find that on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash gmarkphillips. But Tracy talked about traveling over to Cambodia and meditating, group doing group meditations to affect that field and do what they could to help the Cambodian people during that situation. Situation. Um, I just kept thinking about that, and I and it made me think of these, you know, uh, experiences that are crossing over. Of course, there are timelines involved, but uh, that was one of the interviews that you know is connected with this interview and with Carmen's interview here. So you can find that on my YouTube page or on my website, gmarkphillips.com. Again, that is episode thirty-seven. I'll try to link to that in the show notes beneath this episode, and also in the description on my YouTube page. So I think that's all I wanted to cover before we get into the episode here. Again, I was super grateful that Carmen came on and joined me and shared her experience there. And if you can, check out those resources. I know that I'm going to look into those and get them, get uh, get some more information on what's happening over there. Uh, you know, this is what, one of the things, the great things we are able to do here on the podcast is share one another's experience, right? Hear other people's experience and have it affect us. And we we grow, we learn, and we come together and, and share best practices for living, quite frankly. So I was really excited to have Carmen on the show. Without further ado, let's get into the interview and hear Carmen talk about her experience in Cambodia. All right. Well, Carmen, I really do appreciate you joining me on the podcast and sharing your experience in Cambodia. Um, so uh, you, you've only been back a couple of weeks, I take it. Yeah, I got back June 10th. June 10th. Now, how long were you over there altogether? About two weeks. Oh, two, two weeks. So it was pretty and kind of an intense trip then, huh? Yeah, a, a lot of learning went on. Oh, I bet. So tell, tell us what you did over there. Um, you went to Cambodia. What was the purpose of going on that trip? Well, the purpose of going to Cambodia, we went um, and did humanitarian work in a village in the Persat province. And we worked at the school and we did construction and we built a playground, a water filtration device, a reading nook for the kids. We also were teaching them health lessons, um, teaching them about English and other things like that. Um, We had health fairs for the adults as well, so they could learn about why it's important to brush your teeth or like why you should wear condoms because in poorer countries uh, HIV and AIDS are a very big problem 
Mm-hmm. It sounds like you did a lot. Did did parts of your group focus on certain things like summer building, summer teaching, or did everyone yes. kind of just share everything? Well, we were separated into three committees. I was part of the cultural committee. There was the business committee, and then there was the health committee. Mm-hmm. And so you stayed in that committee all... then the whole time and did uh, the cultural stuff. Yes. Wow. Yes. How many kids went? All, or how many kids? Are, was it kids and adults or just kids? It was college students, and there were some adults. We had two health care professionals. Mm-hmm. And um, a couple of adults. One, uh, my favorite teacher brought his dad, and that was a fun mm-hmm. experience for him. Oh, I bet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so were, the, were these teachers yeah. that you met on this excursion or people that you knew prior to going over there? Well, so anyone could go on this trip because my school, USU, uh, Utah State University, Mm-hmm. has a study abroad program, but they partnered up with YouthLink, which is a group that does the plans these trips, uh, these humanitarian trips all around the world. Uh-huh. And so anyone could have gone. And so half of our group was people who were with YouthLink, and then half of us were from USU. Oh, gotcha. So now were these people coming from, like you said, around the world, around the United States? You probably met a bunch of people from everywhere, right? Um, most of them for, were from Utah because YouthLink mm-hmm. has an office here. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. So. Okay, gotcha. That's what they do, and it was really fun. Well, I, I can imagine. And so, so you worked with, through this YouthLink organization. How did you find that organization? How did you know about them? Um the teacher for the study abroad class actually has gone on youth link trips before Mm -hmm. and had done that multiple times. And so youth link and USU were able to um, work together to get us in Cambodia. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I was super excited when I saw that you were planning this trip because you've been planning this for, has it been six months or a year? Uh, it, yeah, since about September, we've okay. been fundraising and everything up until we left. I know, because there was a point in time which, when you didn't know if you were going to be able to go, right? You were still um, raising funds and getting, being hopeful, right? Yes, and thank you for your donation. That helped oh, a lot. You're welcome. Well, <laughs> I hope so. Um, it looked like other people were donating as well and helping you get, get your get over there. That's, um, that's, mm-hmm. able, I just wanted to donate cause that's really exciting and what a great opportunity to serve them and learn, uh, um, you know, about that different culture. So what are you, what were your, what were your impressions before you got to Cambodia versus after you got there? What was, what was different about Cambodia and then the people in the life? Um, I was just expecting it to be different. I didn't know how different, um, mm-hmm. I knew that it was a poorer country and we're doing humanitarian work, but it was a very eye-opening experience because you realize that these people are just like us. The, Cambo- the Cambodians I met were very 
happy people. They loved sure. to joke around. They loved to just have fun all the time. They had parties. We went to three dances in the time we were in Prasad. <laughs> and, wow. <laughs> and it was just so much fun. And they were just so happy and great. And so you realize that the world is just one big tribe and we're all yeah. connected. You know, I've heard that from so many people who travel abroad, especially over to, you know, um, Asian countries, and they just say people are just happy all the time. Do, so what, what, is, what do they do? Um, what, what do they do for fun over there? What do they, how do they spend their time during the day? Um, contrast that between what you, we do in the U.S. What do people do over there other than have these dances and parties? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, a lot of the time they're working all day to make money. And so they only have a little bit of time to have fun. But when we went out in the village and we asked these people these questions, a lot of the time it was just dancing and maybe renting a big speaker so they could play loud music and dance and have mm -hmm. fun with their family. But Sounds like they have a good work-life balance over there. Um, some do, some don't have the opportunity to. Sure. You probably saw some people that just work very, very hard, huh? Yeah. They all yeah. work so hard and it's so hot there. It's amazing to see how hard they work. Yeah, well, he's gonna, how, what were the temperatures like and, and the humidity? How was that? I don't necessarily know the temperature because it was hot. It was hot. I, I'm from the desert, so it was <laughs> wet and hot. And all of us were just complaining that it was so hot and wet. And we were just saying, take us back to the desert. Uh -huh. The dry heat. Do you want the dry heat again, huh? Yeah, the dry heat is great. I haven't complained since. Yeah, we are fortunate, you know, to live in the, the high desert in the north or in the western states here, mm -hmm. because I'll tell you those like lower states in the humidity or over where you were in Cambodia, it's just it's it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. And the so, just... Yeah, it's thick, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So you, you flew over into Cambodia, and um, and what city did you go into, and then how far away was this village you went to? Well, we flew into Phnom Penh, which mm -hmm. is the capital, I believe. Mm -hmm. And after a few days, we drove to Persat, which is about a three to four hour drive. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how that equates into miles. Sure. Yeah. But and Persat was the village that you were working in, right? Well, Persat is a province. Oh, that's but right. There was a village there. Okay. How big was that village? Was it was it pretty sizable or was there a lot of people there? Um there were people, um, it was mostly just rice patties and oh. um, houses for the family. and So it's pretty rural in that village. Yes, it was very rural. There was cows in the front yard, just strung up to the fence. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So, so most people are, would you say most people are farmers over there? Is that their major industry? That, they have like manufacturing too. That's how they feed their families. Yeah. Mm, okay. Gotcha. But gotcha. Yeah. Rice patties are very 
easy to lose rice if there's too much water or not enough water. Gotcha. You can't feed your family. And so that's a hard way to. I can imagine. Yeah. If you're at the mercy of the weather or have too much rain and you could wipe Mm -hmm. out your whole crop, I guess. Right. Yes. And most of the time that this land, this tiny piece of land sometimes is all they have to feed their family, but it's their most prized Mm -hmm. possession. Oh, I can imagine. So was there, was there a um, school building over there? You'd get, you'd get together and teach these kids, um, the, all of the things that you're, that they're learning or today, did you go out into the community and visit them in their homes? We did both. We, there is a school there. It's an elementary school and kind of like the middle school before they go into high school, but they don't have a kindergarten. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's, so, go ahead. Oh, it's three classrooms and a a library that's only the size of about one room. It was just one line and they were just a little bit bigger than the average room in the U S and so it wasn't a very big school, but it had many students. Are the students pretty excited about learning? What are they like? How's their, their take Um, on what you're over there teaching them? The children there are absolutely amazing. They're mm-hmm. so kind. If they go and get snacks, they'll come and share with you. Like they'll really? sh- they share everything with each other, even oh, though that's so awesome. Yeah, even though they only have like a couple of real to spell spend and get lunch mm-hmm. for themselves, they'll share with their friends and. Wow, they sounds like they're very generous. Them. Yeah, it was really amazing to see. Kind and, of different than than some of the people over here in the U.S., huh? Yeah, they are so giving and kind. <clears throat> well, I saw the pictures, and the kids look happy. They're smiling. I mean, is that how they are all the time? Just like a happy, joyous, joyous about them. Yes, they're they're so happy all the time, and they always love playing games. And that's what we did most of the time there. We played games because sometimes we didn't have a translator when we were giving our lessons. So we had mm-hmm. to do our best of with what we could. And so we would play games <laughs> because that's a language everyone knows is fun. Sure. What, what kind of game did you play like games that everyone in the world knows? Or did you learn some games that they do? What were you playing? Um, well, it seemed that they knew one game that game? a lot of people in our group didn't know. Mm-hmm. It was Twin Tag. What's the premise and of that game? It's kind of like Duck, Duck, Goose and mm. Red Rover when okay. they play it. Um, I, had, I had played it in the U.S., but when they play it, they can straight up tackle each other and oh, knock kidding. each other on the ground. So they're kind of rough and tumble over there, huh? Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> Two people are partners and they go around walking around the circle and then they pick a partner. So they, everyone's holding hands. So they hit the hands of the people they want to run around and Mm -hmm. beat them back into the original spot. Oh, gotcha. And it gets crazy because sometimes they'll clothesline each other and 
one group's on the ground, the other one's still running. You're kidding. <laughs> it was so crazy. And everyone's just all like, are you okay? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I'm fine. And they're still smiling. They'll get up and try to run and beat them. But by oh then, they're already halfway around. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So, so were these were these teenage kids or younger? You say there's no kindergarten, but are you are you teaching the whole range of the students from like first grade up to up to high school, or just certain kids? Uh, we were teaching from about first grade to like the twelve year olds, mm-hmm. and then after that they go into high school. Okay, and we didn't teach the high school kids. But we were partnered with a group called Sustainable Cambodia. Mm-hmm. And they also teach high school kids. And we were also, we spent some time with the high school kids dancing and getting to know each other. Gotcha. So the, the stuff that you were teaching about the cultural, now tell me the other, you're, you were doing the cultural. What were the other kids in your youth link group teaching again? You said there was about four different areas. I know there was health, right? Mm-hmm. So, so cultural. Cultural, health, marketing and business. And I think those are the groups that we had. Okay, gotcha. Well, um, do you find that the kids over there, the the Cambodian children, did they know a lot of what you were teaching them? I mean, obviously they're they're, they're smart people. Or was it new this stuff? I mean, how how was their current level of uh, like uh, understanding in those subjects? Well, for the cultural committee, most of us were just giving English lessons, mm. and. Um, most of the classes already knew English. And so I was teaching with my friend and she was teaching, her lesson plan was to teach them about greetings, like saying hello and how are you, stuff like that. But they already knew all of that. And so she was just, she didn't know what to do. And so she went to her health her health lesson and she was teaching them about brushing their teeth because she had used that for that women's health conference and it was we had to improvise her entire lesson and so we ended up doing most of our lesson plan just playing games with the kids and the little kids the ones that didn't know English because they were raised in Cambodian households and hadn't had the opportunity to learn a lot of English we just played a bunch of kids, uh, kid games with them, like Ring Around the Rosies, because they absolutely loved that game. And then for the health committee, they were teaching not only the kids, but they were teaching the adults about like sexual health, wearing, uh, having safe sex, and why it's important. And they taught some CPR, some basic first aid, um, and trying to teach them about how to live healthier lives. So you were saying, um, uh, we were talking about how you were teaching them English and, um, you know, Western, the Western ways, so to speak. Is that kind of accurate? 
yes, but they surprisingly knew a lot about it already. I can imagine because, well, they have, I mean, they, are they connected over there? Do they have like uh, access to like all of a, uh, all of the things we do over here, our pop culture stuff, like via cell phones and computers? I mean, can, can they get on the web and get to anywhere where our kids in the U.S. can? Or what do they have over there as far as like access? Uh, we didn't see a lot of phone, uh, a lot of computers, but we saw a lot of phones with data and everything. And Okay, so, so they got access over yeah. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so um, they already knew a bunch of what you were gonna gonna help them learn. How was their English already when you got there? Some knew more than others. So the kids mm-hmm. that knew more English would help translate for our English lessons. Mm-hmm. So you had assistants there helping you out in the classes. Yes. Gotcha. And gotcha. It made it so much easier. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. So, um, you're, you, what, what was your days like? Are you working like big days, early rising and, and, uh, late, late to bed or was it, was it doable? Um, it was very different than what our bodies were used to. So it felt like that's what we were doing. We would wake up and have breakfast at seven thirty, and then we would leave and go, do our village work and we would try to separate our days into halves mm-hmm. and so half the day you would be working construction the other half you would be given an english lesson or going out to the village or playing with the kids and trying not to do construction for both blocks of the day gotcha. and we would normally get it done before dinner and then you could go and pass out in your bed. Because you're probably tired. Yes, it was hot. And working construction, we were laying brick. We were making brick walls for the water filtration and the playground. Mm-hmm. And we only had six travels to do that with. Um, and you say, so like, the, the, are those the tools you're using to build the stuff? Yes. Um, it was the little shovel we used to pick up the cement and put it on the brick. Wow. So you're, so it's kind of primitive building, building uh, sciences over there, huh? Mm, yes. Yeah, you didn't have any like but, equipment and cranes yeah. and stuff to get the job done, I take it. No, not at all. We had our arms. Wow. Um, we used our own cement, and when we had to move sand into the playground, we had these kind of like woven baskets with two handles to pick up the sand and dirt and move it over to the playground. Wow. That and so the, that that's, was yeah, that's old school building, isn't it? I suppose so. I wouldn't know. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. Before, you know, the uh, advent of like heavy machinery and, and stuff to make the job a lot easier. You were kind of helping out the builders too. You weren't just in the classroom all day, were you? No. And we were trying to do most of the work, but we had uh, an actual bricklayer that had mm. volunteered his time from the area. And he oh. just put the rest of us to shame. He could lay down an entire three feet of like brick by the time it took us to do one (laughs) 
Well, that's understandable, right? I mean, he's been doing it for a lot longer, right? <laughs> yeah. And they would tease us. They're like, you don't work fast enough for this world. Oh, I bet. Well, they, like you said, they're hard workers over there, huh? Mm-hmm. And if you don't work fast, you're not worth paying. Is that what it is? Because is the, are there a lot of workforce that, I mean, do they have jobs for everyone who wants one? Or do some people not have an opportunity to work just because there's not enough to do? Um, there's not a lot of everyone's doing the same jobs. You have tuk-tuk drivers, you have farming, you have selling like food at your house. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a lot of variation. You have some stone masoners. Mm -hmm. I don't know the correct word for that. And then you also have like wood carvers. So those are. So just a few types of uh, careers over there. Interesting. And, you can go to university, but um, it's expensive or more expensive than if you didn't. So a lot of people don't do that. Some kids don't even finish high school. Really? Well, so what happens when the, when the kids go on to university? Uh, do they then find jobs within that town or do they typically go to a bigger city where there's uh, more type of, I guess, for lack of a better word, white collar jobs? Um. I don't know too much. I know that they have a lot of different careers. When we went and visited the University of Phnom Penh, they had a lot of business majors and they had gone and seen China and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So the and they and so they're bringing that. Uh, not, they're bringing trying to bring business back to grow their economy. It sounds like yeah. I, I think so. I, I did not have the opportunity to learn too much about that. Sure, sure. So, um, so obviously at the end of the night, you probably slept really well because you're mixing it up with teaching and building these things. That's kind of fun though, isn't it? To kind of do half intellectual and half physical work? Yes. Well, the teaching the kids part was very physical. It just wasn't the ty- same type of physical work. Yeah, good point. Right, because they play that rough rough game. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> so you're doing physical work all day long, aren't you? Yeah. But it was, yeah. And the kids were super sweet because they, if they saw people working in construction and it was something they could help with, they would swarm and get it done in just a couple of seconds. Oh, you're kidding. That's so mm-hmm. awesome. That's probably really heartwarming to see that that uh, that going on over there. How did that how did that affect you? Were you kind of like blown away by that to see all the generosity and the kindness of these kids and the people? Yeah. They were so selfless. Like we were over at their houses asking them about their lives and finding out that um they had to work all day long and they didn't have time to do certain things and they would share their food with us. They would, um, they grow their own mangoes. And so sometimes they would chop up a mango and give it to us to eat. Mm. And it was so kind of them and it was very touching. Sure. Because they they essentially that that's something that they could sell and make money, right? And they're just giving it to you, huh? Or used to feed their own families. Oh, good point. You probably have a different view of the, you know, United States and our abundance here 
after coming back? How do you how do yeah. you how do you look at the grocery stores? Because you probably didn't have uh, grocery stores like we have here over there, right? No, they don't have refrigerated sections very often. Mm-hmm. And if it is, it's just for like the cold drinks or ice cream mm-hmm. or the ice that they use to make certain yeah. drinks. Or So I bet it was yeah. um, very humbling, huh? Yes. I also find that now first world problems are not as big of a deal. <laughs> totally. Yeah. That, that's like, that's... I'm glad you said that because um, when I see what's happening in other countries, you know, in these third world countries, um, like economic issues and the way they live and what they have to, how hard they have to work just to meagerly get by, it really is humbling, isn't it? it makes you feel really great, grateful for what you've got. Yes, the freedoms that we have here are so amazing, and I feel like we take that for granted. Mm, I agree. Yeah. yeah. In Cambodia, they can't even talk bad about their government. Oh, really? Because they legitimately have like people watching them. Really? Mm-hmm. So they can't. They obviously don't have free speech over there. They have to watch what they say, huh? Mm-hmm. And yet they're still happy. See, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, in addition Anyways. to like the the mangoes and stuff, what was the craziest thing you ate over there? Or did you get adventurous in some of the food? Or do they even have crazy food? Well, because of their history, mm-hmm. they have some crazy dishes. Because during the Khmer Rouge's reign, mm-hmm. they didn't have food to eat. Mm-hmm. So they would go out into the wilderness and eat whatever they could. And so now they have tarantula dishes. Oh, you're kidding. Now, what is that? Mm-hmm. Tarantulas? Well, but what, well, when you say, yeah, I know what a tarantula is, but when you say tarantula dish dishes, those two words don't exist in my vocabulary. <laughs> like, you, now tell me what that looks like. I mean, is it is it well, chopped up tarantulas? What is that? Um. Well, I didn't eat any. No one in my group did. Okay, so you weren't but, adventurous like that. I don't blame you. I don't know that I could eat that either. What, what, how do they prepare it? Uh, they mostly fry it. It's funny because I was making a lesson plan for uh-huh. Cambodia and I was teaching them nursery rhymes and I was teaching the itsy bitsy spider and I wanted to have uh-huh. a spider that they would know what it looked like. Uh-huh. And when I typed in like Cambodian spiders, all I got were pictures of tarantula- like fried tarantulas on a plate. <laughs> oh, you're kidding <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so are they selling these at uh, at the food vendors in the street or where, where do you get these things at? Um, sometimes at the food vendors. We didn't eat there very often. We ate mostly at restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the restaurants we went to was serving tarantulas. Oh, you're kidding. So, so you, do, you weren't brave <laughs> enough to try it, huh? No, I ate the water buffalo and the fish that was fried whole. Oh, really? But- so they just mm-hmm. serve you up a, a, I, a whole fish on a plate and you just just eat that? Mm-hmm. It was just like a smaller fish. It wasn't like a giant trout. It was only about six inches long. But you eat the entire thing whole. They just gutted it. Oh, really? <laughs> kind of like a sardine or a, one of those little uh, mm-hmm. anchovy type, huh? But it was bigger than that, huh? Mm-hmm. And it was fried. And it, mm-hmm. it didn't taste too bad until like you started taking it apart. And wanting to like taste the individual organs because sure. 
that's just so it's like a whole fish it's like a they don't they don't <laughs> take the guts out of it it's just the whole thing huh yeah it had all these <laughs> organs in it and uh, what, was it, was, it, but it was good it was was it was it tasty well in america we fry everything and eat it what's sure. the difference yeah, for fried, yeah. fried things we don't know what we're eating half the time if it's fried anyway right <laughs> yeah it, it was good i didn't mind it it tasted just fine mm-hmm what about the water like, buffalo? How was that? Or, or go ahead. What was the fish taste like? Oh, it just tastes like a, it tastes better than uh, fish steaks. Oh, really? Okay. So sim- yeah. better than fish sticks. Yeah. There's more flavors in the organs. Wow. I, <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. That's where all the goodness is, right? Yes. And the water buffalo tastes, it tastes just like regular cow, I suppose. It's a little bit tougher, but it's cow meat. Mm-hmm. So they eat the, these this fish and the water buffalo. Boy, I'm still mm-hmm. I'm still intrigued about this tarantula. Do they just? <laughs> do you think they throw the whole tarantula in the frying pan, or do they like cut it up? Did you see the? What did it look like yeah. on the plate? No, they fry it whole. Really? So it just comes out crisp, and do they do they deep fry it too, or do they just put it in their hole and go for it? I think it's just their own personal preference. I'm sure they prepare it differently in depending on what they have. Wow. Wow. I just can't even fathom that. And I don't blame (laughs) you for not eating the tarantula. I I don't think I could eat that either. That is out there. Now, speaking of tarantulas, did you see these critters roaming around? I mean, did you see a lot of tarantulas? I personally did not see a lot of tarantulas. I did see a huge spider for me, inside the Angkor Wat temples. Okay, now what what are those places? What is this? A um, the Angkor Wat sacred... temples is one of the seven wonders of the world. Oh, really? I need to um, get, I need to bone up on my seven wonders. I should know that. Okay, so it's a that's that's awesome. What well, what is it exactly? Um, they're ancient temples in in Cambodia, and they're huge stone temples mm-hmm. i don't necessarily know like what religion they are mm-hmm. i saw a lot of buddhists there so i assume it's a buddhist thing yeah maybe but there's a bunch of these ancient temples that are used for like praying and um like the anchor wat temple itself that one temple mm-hmm. is like for the king that's what i gotcha. heard and um there's like other temples and when we were just walking through one, there was a spider web and there was just this giant spider. The body was probably only about like an inch or mm-hmm. two, but like its legs spread out to be about like six oh, inches. Really? Like, Oh my God. Like not. That's yeah. big. <laughs> it was, it was, it was a big spider and I don't know how to describe it right because I don't know like how to describe spiders, but it was like as big as, a large hand. Yeah, well, the, 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 like you said, <laughs> over there in the hot, humid countries, they have different creatures, don't they? They got all sorts of like weird stuff going on. Do you see yeah. any scorpions or, or they, other type of critters like that? If I did, I <laughs> decidedly to like not see it I because I know other people were seeing bugs, but I didn't see anything. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, it mu- they must be just farming these tri- tarantulas then if they're not running around in the in the streets and around the neighborhood. It's just so bizarre. I got to I'm going to have to go online and look up 
what you what did you call it? A tarantula dish, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they have a bunch of pictures. I'm gonna have to go check that out because that is the furthest thing I would ever consider eating. But like you said, these people had had some very horrible times to go through, and they they had to get resourceful. So these these eating habits kind of came from that, didn't it? I feel like to some like some people in some Cambodians won't even eat tarantulas oh. because they don't like them. I don't blame but, them. Yeah. But some of them wow. are more scared of snakes as though uh, we went to this one lady's house and she told us how a snake had gotten into her bathroom. And if you're not careful, they will go into your bathroom, mm. but she killed it. And then like, we're just all like, did you eat it? And she was like, yeah. And we're like, how did it taste? And she was just all like, like snake. Yeah. Did you, did you have an opportunity to eat snake over there? <laughs> no, not, no. Um, I know that they do, and I know like people all over the world do, but I didn't yeah. have the opportunity. I, I haven't eaten snake myself, but I would actually actually try that as opposed to a, a bug of some sort. <laughs> yeah. So in addition, I, go ahead. Oh, uh, when we went and visited the university, a girl told us that there was a bug cafe where they make dishes with bugs. Mm-hmm. Like, so they had the, like, tarantulas but they also had like cricket cupcakes oh, no. and <laughs> things like that and we're like hmm, we'll have to go uh-huh. Not going. <laughs> well I, that's what i've heard is that they put they have all sorts of different types of crickets and ants and stuff over there that they eat it's just really bizarre outside of my uh food choices <laughs> hey high in protein yeah that's what i've heard <laughs> that is what i heard and i guess it doesn't get much higher than a than a bug Oh my gosh, Carmen. So, so what else, um, what else do you want to share about your experience over there? What haven't I asked you? I had the opportunity of, um, working with a lot of organizations when I got in country. Mm -hmm. And so, as you know, I'm a student at USU and I went to study abroad, but study abroad was connected to USU. And as we were preparing, we needed to fundraise money to go to Cambodia and also fundraise money to pay for the projects that we'd be doing in country, Mm -hmm. like the bricks and the cement and everything that we did over in the village. Mm -hmm. And so we had to fundraise clothing. And so we worked with big brothers and big sisters and we filled half a semi truck with clothes and we were the smallest group that YouthLink had, and we had donated the most. Really, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and then that money we were able you get to, over there helped you do your work. Mm-hmm. And we had extra money um, to save for next mm-hmm. year for when we go to Kenya. Oh, so would they go a different place each year? Um, just on my campus because mm-hmm. we decided that we're going to go together. <laughs> the same because... group of kids. Mm-hmm. Great. So Kenya so, next year. I'm hoping on it. <clears throat> will it be about the same cost wise or it'll be, will it be different, um, different amount to get there? Yeah. I hear it's more expensive, but I'm mm-hmm. still on the fence on whether or not to go to Kenya specifically. Sure. As opposed to maybe going back to Cambodia or what? Yeah, well, I want to go to Cambodia in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Give the kids some time to grow up, but before they switch villages. Mm-hmm. 
well, it looked like you had a really deep bond with those kids. And I can understand why if they're happy all the time, like I saw your pictures on Facebook and uh, it looks like they seriously uh, loved you being there. Yeah. um, If you just open up your heart to the kids, um, these kids will absolutely like they'll hook on to you and you'll be the person that they pick. Like each kid Mm -hmm. had a person Mm -hmm. that they connected with. Yes. And if you connect with more than one, I I swear it, sometimes I had two kids holding each hand (laughs) and then I had, (laughs) and then I had another kid holding my arms and, or two kids holding my arms. And then I had two kids in front holding my sides. Oh, that's so awesome. (laughs) You probably felt, that probably makes you feel really good, huh? Mm -hmm. There's one girl, every time she got swarmed off the bus, because when you get off the bus, they put on flower crowns on you Mm -hmm. and they like give you hugs and you're just saying hello, like, Mm -hmm. good morning. And they're just like, hello, good morning. And they just make you feel so loved. And she's just like, I came halfway around the world just to get this kind of love. Oh, totally. Yeah, because that sounds very foreign from our, we're so busy here in the West. We're so, everyone's got their nose to the grindstone or nose in their cell phone. And they, we just don't do that over here often enough, do we? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. awesome. And when you put down the phone, because they look at you weird if you have your phone. They? Mm-hmm. They're kind of just like, what are these people doing? And if you have your phone out, they are kind of just like, what are you doing? Like, they look at you so weird. It's just, so you just don't fit in over there, huh? They just kind of look at you like you're odd, huh? Yeah. And they'll tease you like, look at this American, always obsessed with their phone, you know? Or Okay. So they know how we are, huh? Mm-hmm. They know how it is. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And we just got to see a lot about this country. I feel like we barely even delved into all that like happened. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you're in, in a sense, you know, if you're yeah. just there for a couple of weeks and you're you've got an agenda, there's probably all you know only so much you can experience, right? But just having that is such a such an eye mm-hmm. opener. Obviously, in the takeaways like you've shared with us here, um, the the feeling really humble and gracious for what we have over here in the first world. I mean, that's like you're going to carry that with you for a lifetime. Absolutely. And just like being able to appreciate all the opportunities I have mm-hmm. and like understanding the freedoms I have that other people don't get to have. Yeah. You know, I, I wish I would have done something like that at your age. Uh, it would have been a huge um, it made me feel a lot more grateful for the opportunities I have, because like you said, you know, we, we sometimes take the opportunities we have here for granted because they're so plentiful and they're so everywhere. Whereas people in foreign countries, you know, not only would they kill to have, or almost kill themselves to get over here to have what we have. Um, but they'll do anything, won't they, to try to get over here. We're really fortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, no, oh. Before I left, my mom had told me that there was a man I knew from Cambodia mm. and I had like grown up with mm-hmm. him um, in Fillmore. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and his name was Bisseros. And I never understood. Um, like my dad would be like, he lives in like a 10 by 10 room with his son. And then a couple of years later, his son left. And I never understood why he stayed. And my dad told me it was because he had nowhere else to go and I didn't understand that until 
I went to Cambodia and I learned about Cambodia's history with the genocide mm-hmm. and everything that had happened. Mm-hmm. And it just makes every, it puts everything into more perspective. And um, I was just glad to be young and to learn about this mm-hmm. than older and then to finally gain a point of view on this. And yeah. Um, youth link has a saying is like making lifelong humanitarians and Mm. i feel like with our entire group that's what they did well that's really awesome i mean yeah you're right it changes you doesn't it yeah i feel like a renewed commitment to serve others and be more conscious about things going on in their in the world Yeah, well, what a gift you have, like you said, to get it at such a young age, because that's really when life gets great is when we are giving and sharing, it fills our cup up and we get happy and Mm -hmm. also helps other people, I think. Mm -hmm. It's counterintuitive to how how the human mind wants to work instead of this like me, 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 what can I get, right? Instead of what can I give and how can I serve others? Yeah, and and it feels so easy because we went to like the... Anchor Children's Hospital. We went to the landmines. We went to like these museums that are very like funded and are trying to help all these people. And it mm-hmm. all it takes is just someone donating a little bit of money, even though mm-hmm. it's nothing for them. A dollar is like a thousand real. Mm-hmm. So that goes far. And, a dollar goes far over there. Yeah. Buys a lot, huh? Mm-hmm. So it was yeah, so humbling to get to see these organizations and how they're helping other people. And well, and I'm glad we, you said that. Yeah, because we, we don't we don't we don't know how far the dollar will go over there or how much help we can get, get to, to how much we can be, right? Mhm. Yeah. And you can do so much for the world even if it just seems like a little bit for you. That's such a good, that's a good way to live. That's so true. Well, Carmen, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you sharing your experience with us. Yeah, no problem. I was really glad to get to talk about my experience, even though it was just a little portion of what happened over there. Yeah. And try to like talk about some of the organizations that we got to work with and spread the word. Well, I, I mean, I, giving us a glimpse of what life is like over there and the happiness and generosity of those kids, I think people listening are going to definitely take that away. And that, that's the thing I like about, you know, when one person has an experience like you sharing your experience with us and me is we all get changed, don't we? I mean, it changes me. The listeners get a renewed uh sense of being grateful for what they do have. So I really do appreciate it because it spreads that that um, the experience you have is now able to be spread so that everyone can kind of touch it and taste it. So, so thank you. I, yeah, I hope everyone can get the opportunity to go and serve others. Yeah. I I certainly would love that opportunity myself and I'm going to put that on my list for sure. Yeah. And and they plan the entire trip for you. And so you have very little to worry about besides fundraising for your stuff and, going and doing for other people. Yeah. So that make that frees you up to focus on that, on the work that you're there to do, doesn't it? Yes, it does. That's so awesome. And I don't think I would have been able to do this trip without 
the people at YouthLink or the people that push for me to go at school. Well, and I can imagine, yeah, because that's a big undertaking to orchestrate a trip like that and, you know, get all the lodging and the flights and stuff like that. Um, they do the, the foundational work so you can do your work. Yes. Awesome. <clears throat> well, th- Carmen, thanks again. Yeah. I really do appreciate it. And um, mm-hmm. uh, I know people are going to really enjoy hearing about your experience. Well, I hope so, because I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Carmen. Right. Mm-hmm. No problem. Have a good day. Bye. You too. Thanks. Well, what'd you think? You know, again, I want to thank Carmen for coming on the show and sharing her experience. Certainly eye-opening for me, and uh, I just got a lot of uh benefit out of hearing about what's going on over there in Cambodia and life in general, a glimpse into their daily life over there. One reminder before we wrap up the podcast that you can always catch these episodes on my website, gmarkphillips.com or on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash gmarkphillips. I've mentioned this before. I prefer listening to these podcasts on YouTube because it's very searchable. You can see them all in one place, much more so than my website, gmarkphillips.com. So if you like this video, if you like this interview, please give it a thumbs up and share it with someone who you think might benefit from hearing it. And also, why not subscribe to my YouTube channel so you can have access to all these interviews and all the great things that's going on here on Enhancing the Human Experience. Listen to all the amazing guests that I have on the show sharing best practices for living and experiences that they've had. So Until next time, all the best, health, wealth, and success. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.